I was at uh, India's largest coal-based thermal plant. And so I was there when a plane came tugging along. It had uh, coal loaded and there were rigs and rigs of coal. And I could see the train continuing. It was like a serpentine train to wherever my eyes could go. And so to my mind, it was like they've got like coal for six months now. And then the plant head was also with me. And I said, uh, great, so this train is here. How long will this last? And he said, uh, no, this is good enough. We've got a long train. We are good for a week now. Something happened in my mind. What are we doing to ourselves? That stayed in my mind. Do not believe in this society that tells you everything has to happen on a real-time basis. Satisfaction has to happen in two minutes. Uh, once you feel you're passionate about something, then give it time. And like the power of compounding, it'll, it'll multiply. Hello everyone, welcome to the DevFast podcast. It is my honor today to introduce to you Mr. Piyush Mohit. Thank you so much, sir, for joining us. Sir is the COO of Photo Power and sir has done a lot of inspirational things over his career. Sir, please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so thanks Veera, first of all, for inviting me to your podcast. Happy to be here. About myself, I uh, am an electrical and electronics engineer. Went to Bitspilani and then uh, immediately after that, I did my MBA in finance and strategy from uh, IIM Lucknow. And uh, during my days, when I was at Bitspilani, I used to think uh, there's hardly any future for electrical because I had a dual degree electrical plus electronics and I will most likely be building my career in uh, electronics. But it so happened that when I graduated from IIM Lucknow, that very same year, uh, Electricity Act of 2003 had been passed and it was a massive reform to the way electricity sector was functioning in India. A lot of work that was being done throughout the country. This is unbundling of the electricity boards. Uh, these are regulations. These are uh, the regulations which, which aim to bring more transparency in the sector, may bring more competition in the sector. And so I was I joined PricewaterhouseCoopers out of campus and there I was uh, traveling through the country on, on these kind of projects uh, regarding power sector reforms. And that's how uh, my uh, career started in, in this field. And then uh, I, uh, I joined Infosys Consulting, continued to stay in power sector, but the clients were all in uh, North America, US, Canada, and then uh, to some extent in Australia also. So worked for a few years with those clients. And then I, I came back to India uh, with KPMG. And these are the KPMG days around 2009-10 when uh, National Solar Mission got announced. And that, uh, today when we are talking talking about electricity, solar power at what, two and a half rupees, two rupees a kilowatt hour, you know, it's not too old, you know, 2010 is what, 12 years away. And that that point, people used to talk about solar power at 15 plus rupees a kilowatt hour. So a lot of people used to say there's no future in this sector. We don't know why government is coming out with these kind of missions. And so as a part of KPMG, me and some other team members from KPMG, we brought out a thought leadership report that we called the Rising Sun, which forecasted that by 2019, solar power would start beating uh, thermal power in India. It was unbelievable. Even some uh, government officials were not ready to believe that forecast. But then we had done a lot of detailed uh, bottoms of analysis. And so we stood our ground. And today I feel happy when, uh, you know, when I saw that happen in front of my eyes three, four years back. And today, obviously, it is much more cheaper. 
So uh, yes, that's how I I got interested in renewable energy sector, and then at one point, you know, I felt I should move on from uh, consulting into this industry on a full time basis, and I joined uh, uh, Adani Power later, Adani Green. I was I was heading their strategy and business development, and then Renew Power, which happens to be India's largest renewable energy uh, power producer. And then in late 2019, I along with a few colleagues of mine, we got a chance to set up some. Something of our own, where uh, we became the co-founders, and two investors, EQT and Temasek, they decided to uh, come together as investors, and that's how the O2 Power journey started. Uh, early 2020, and as luck would have it, January 2020 we got started. March 2020, COVID uh, hit us, uh, but thankfully for us, the the journey, you know, of course there were hiccups, but the journey went on. And uh, over the last three years, I'm happy to say we've been able to uh, build a portfolio of about 2,600 megawatt, uh, which is you know where we are supplying yes. power to state distribution companies and also private customers. So, so that's I mean, it, I would say it's not a very short description journey, but yeah, yeah. Uh, that's how I am where I am today. So it's long but inspiring at the very same time. So, what is the best aspect of power and energy sector according to you in your experience? See, uh. uh Two things I would say. One is this is the backbone of any economy. No matter what you do, you know, right from the good old industries, the traditional industries, iron and steel, etc., they are power heavy. To the new age stuff like cryptocurrency, they also require power. So power is everywhere. You 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 need it. It's the backbone of the economy. So. Uh, so that that uh, I believe is is good doing something which the entire economy of the country is dependent on uh, is is one thing that I like. The second thing that I like is doing it in a way that makes us more carbon neutral. We are now witnessing, and you know, today it's not anymore a debate whether human activity is leading to climate change or not. There's evidence all around us. So therefore, and and power is one big uh, fuel guzzler and therefore carbon emitter. So if we can do it in a more carbon neutral way, environment friendly way, that's another uh, ben, uh, solace I draw uh, from operating in this sector. And I would say well, the third thing is, uh, you know, and I go back to my Pilani days, uh, our dean of electrical engineering, he uh, came to meet us when we were fresh uh, entrance into the college. And he said, look, uh, the the power sector that you see, and when I say power sector, you know, the, the kind of poles, the wires, the transformers, the power generating stations that you see is what I saw as a child and what my my parents and their parents saw as as, as kids. Nothing has changed, but someone needs to change it. So, so happy that the sector is changing in a meaningful way. And, you know, I'm having to play a, a small role uh, in, in this change. So that's very inspiring and that's very insightful as well into how power has changed and power has affected our country. But now that you're heading a power company on your own, what is the most difficult part about being the head of a company? Yeah, see, uh, one thing is very simple. Uh, the buck stops here. You can't say I am operating in a silo. I've done my job. And so therefore, this is it. I can now go home and not be worried about anything else. Uh, you have to make sure that uh, you know all the loose ends have to be tied together. One solution has to be arrived at and then the company moves in that direction. So that's one thing. The buck stops at you. And the second thing is, uh, is the people aspect. You know, uh, making sure that everybody in the organization uh, feels motivated, is, is happy to work in a certain culture that 
and and you know this is this is both good and bad about about uh, operating at senior levels is that you start playing a role in defining the culture of your organization the way you operate people start emulating that and that sort of starts trickling down into how the company culture gets defined it is good because then you know this is how you like to operate and the company culture also becomes like that but it is bad because if you have certain shortcomings then that also starts showing up in how the company operates so you have to be very careful of your your own uh, style of operating you have to continuously ask yourself whether i am doing the right thing or not so so that that's also challenging i so that what you do mirrors out multiple fold in the company in itself so that's really really important to take a look at for all heads of companies out there sir now that you are so established in the power sector itself do you believe solar energy is the solution to all of india's power problems uh, not by itself why so because uh, because unlike uh, coal or gas based power when you you, you have coal 24/7 stocked with you whenever and see supply will have to respond to demand true we can shape demand uh, to some extent by having you know time of day tariff incentives etc but only to some extent can we shape it uh, now with coal with gas you have it stocked you can uh, use that to generate power any time you feel like but with solar and wind you know these are natural resources when they are there you have power otherwise you don't and with uh, particularly with solar you have a typical bell shaped curve where around 1 o'clock in the noon you are generating maximum power starting at about 7 in the morning and by 6 or 7 in the evening again it's gone so by itself solar is not the answer but solar integrated with storage and there are different forms of storage you know what we understand very clearly is battery storage because we see lithium ion batteries in our phones and now electric vehicles and several other places but there are other storages also like for example pumped hydro where when you have power the turbine operates as a pump and and takes water to a higher level and when you need uh, energy then the the same uh, what operated as a pump starts operating as a generator uh, water flows down and you have power generated so there are multiple ways in which uh, storage can be done now if we have storage at viable rates because all said and done india is is a very very value conscious country and things only work here when the when the cost starts making sense so fortunately for us as a country uh, at least on solar we are now much cheaper than coal so therefore you know there is no problem in adopting it as a large energy source same thing has to happen for storage as well and you know we can see the pathway to that happening probably 5 6 years down the line when uh, you know uh, combined and integrated solar plus storage capacity starts making economic sense that's when to your statement whether it is the answer to all of india's energy requirement will probably become true okay and now that you've cleared this doubt up that solar is not a 100% solution to all of our problems for a location like mosinram cherapunji where there is rainfall all the time and sun is relatively less compared to other seasons is it practical at all so yeah i mean uh, yes that's an extreme example like cherapunji where uh, almost 365 days you have cloud cover but if you look at india in general you'll see that western part of india uh, which is states like uh, gujarat and uh, rajasthan they are the best when it comes to solar and then if you look at wind then you have to some extent rajasthan but then gujarat is a better state coming down maharashtra parts of andhra karnataka and then tamil nadu 
they are also good for wind where uh, in terms of availability of this resource solar and wind where the country is a bit deficient is as you start moving towards east and then going into northeast the uh, solar intensity is also lower and wind intensity is low so to manage that uh, and maybe if i get a bit technical here uh, power gets transmitted through the country and that happens over two transmission network one is what is called intrastate network every state will have its own transmission network and then there is this network which connects all the intrastate networks into one common what we call one india grid that is the pgcil network which is the central transmission utility so pgcil has been working very hard over the past decade and more to make sure that our our india wide network is a network where we can generate a lot of solar and wind in the western parts and in the southern parts of the country and that can be transmitted to all parts of the country so places like cherapunji etc they will uh, get natural resource uh, renewable energy but that is not locally generated that is generated somewhere else but is traveling to to there that's actually an amazing solution when you hear about this for the first time transmitting energy when you don't have enough sunlight or enough wind power on its own is actually a wonderful solution to think about and speaking of renewable energy as a solution to problems can renewable energy really solve the climate change problem and how long will it take before we actually start seeing positive effects that are opposite of what we have had through global warming and how the way it has affected our country mm-hmm. that's a very good question that's a very good question see uh, essentially what is renewable energy doing you know we are basically harnessing either solar or wind and in certain cases even uh, you know geothermal energy or the energy of ocean waves to mitigate what fossil fuel because otherwise we are dependent on that now that is on the production side that we are replacing fossil fuel with something else which is natural but what happens on the consumption side you know today we can use that electrical energy to power our appliances but can i use that energy to uh, power our vehicles so far it wasn't possible but now with electric vehicles with battery storage that is a new use case so electricity consumption was the only use case till a few years back today we have a new case which is which is transport then as you as you start moving further and you know typically there is a spectrum where easy to abate easy to abate meaning where carbon is easily abated too hard to abate sectors so for example uh, ships how can you run ships on renewable energy yeah th- that is difficult because you can't put so much you know, ships are in the ocean you can't put so many solar panels that they can power an entire ship so these are hard to abate areas now people are uh, talking about green hydrogen and green ammonia where essentially what will happen is that you will produce uh, green electricity and then use that electricity to do electrolysis of water which means breaking the h2o molecule into hydrogen and oxygen and from there this hydrogen that you generate this is called green hydrogen because otherwise the hydrogen that we get and hydrogen is used in in a lot of industries it is used in fertilizers it is used in uh, iron and steel it is used in uh, petrochemicals it is used in multiple industries and so today the source of hydrogen for those industries is uh hydrocarbon so you take the you take the carbon and you oxygen away and you you keep the hydrogen molecule with you and this carbon dioxide which is released as a byproduct is released in the atmosphere so it's not good for the environment here when you are taking hydrogen from a water molecule there is no carbon dioxide emission so you produce hydrogen green hydrogen from electrolysis and then you use that same hydrogen to 
convert to ammonia. Why is ammonia conversion necessary? Because hydrogen is, you know, we know that it's the lightest molecule. If we try to uh, transfer it through pipelines, you know, it will escape through the, the, the molecular gaps between pipelines. And hydrogen is highly combustible. So it is not very safe to be transported that way. Uh, so you put nitrogen and then you bind the hydrogen atoms to nitrogen. And that is what uh, an ammonia molecule is, which is much more stable, which can be more easily transported. And so once you have green ammonia, today it is, you know, more expensive three to four times more expensive not today because today because of you know the russia ukraine war gas prices are quite high but over the long term if you look at the historical average of gas prices then today green hydrogen is three to four times more expensive than conventional gray hydrogen but the way we are moving uh, parity is uh, at least in sight by 2030 so once that happens then you add a, a third use case from electricity only to transportation to green ammonia which is where you start abating carbon in the industry in shipping etc by by putting green ammonia so to my mind over this decade and probably the next decade renewable energy will be a i won't say it will be a hundred percent answer difficult to say that but yeah, it'll be a big answer but all said and done look we and this is this is personally my opinion we cannot say that we will continue to follow crazy growth everybody wants more i will keep wanting more and you know we'll somehow find a magic wand that will uh, keep mitigating carbon all the time you know we also have to realize that as a society as a country as a civilization we should only want what we require we should not be wasteful we should be mindful of what we are doing you know eating frozen food or eating stuff that you know travels through ships from across the globe because it doesn't have uh, doesn't get produced here in india we have to be mindful of our choices that is the long term answer true that's actually very very deep so i'm still thinking about the whole process that you explained but it is true that we have to as a society think about limiting our wants because our wants are never ending basically and now you are speaking of hard to abate areas and electronic vehicles as well when you look at vehicles like airplanes or if you go even bigger you look at rockets which are using petroleum at this point even though they are hard to abate areas is there any chance if not in the next 10 years 20 50 100 years that we could have them run on a similar technology to which cars are currently running or scooters are running maybe maybe in a few decades but if we uh, i am saying if we look at the entire spectrum from easy to abate to hard to abate and we start from easy to abate and we are able to cover 80% of the spectrum which is where technology solutions are already inside you know we are you know whatever targets we are taking for one and a half degree centigrade not more than one and a half degree centigrade rise in global temperatures we will we will exceed those targets. So, you know, even if what we can do with a sincere intent where technology is already making something possible, we should be fine. True, because there is always going to be, if not a lot of, a little bit of petroleum available for, and these are comparatively smaller activities. Like you don't buy a rocket to work every single day. So you're not yeah. using yeah. it as often. Yeah. Anyways, speaking of renewable energy and speaking of things that are cheaper, do you believe in a community system, like in communities, is installation of solar power, solar panel, solar panels or wind-based systems more cheaper community-wise today like if someone wanted to invest in a huge program or is it's it already happening in a very big way is it worth it from a financial point of view financial point of view only we know how good it is for the environment but for someone who is trying to save money is it worth it investing in a, a bit extra in solar panels and getting all systems natural and renewable it is it is it makes imminent sense see they talk about this fortune at the bottom of the pyramid you know you look at uh, 
फॉर एग्जाम्पल इलेक्ट्रिसिटी इन रिमोट पार्ट ऑफ इंडिया वी डोंट है रिमोट पार्ट ऑफ इंडिया वेर दे आर यूजिंग डीजल जेनसेट यू नो फॉर एग्जाम्पल दे आर दीज लघु उद्योग दे नीड इलेक्ट्रिसिटी दी इलेक्ट्रिसिटी दैट दे गेट फ्रॉम ग्रिड इज 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 क्वाइट एरेटिक यू नो इधर इट्स नॉट अवेलेबल फुल टाइम और और द वोल्टेज लेवल्स आर लो और दे आर लॉट ऑफ फ्लक्चुएशन एंड दे मशीन विल नॉट बी एबल टू सपोर्ट दैट सो दे वॉन्ट टू रन इट ऑन डीजल नाउ यू नो डीजल इज एक्सपेंसिव डीजल बेस्ड पावर जनरेशन इज अबाउट फिफ्टीन रुपीज अ किलो वॉट आवर एंड दैट इज वेन यू अज्यूम दैट यू नो यू आर गेटिंग डीजल वेर यू वॉन्ट टू फ्यूल योर जनरेट दे हैव टू ट्रेवल फार टू गेट डीजल द कॉस्ट ऑफ ट्रेवलिंग दैट फार टू गेट डीजल ऑल्सो गेट्स एडेड टू द कॉस्ट एंड देन द कॉस्ट ऑफ डीजी इट सेल्फ कॉस्ट ऑफ मेंटेनेंस कॉस्ट ऑफ डेप्रिसिएशन ऑल ऑफ दैट दे आर स्पेंडिंग थर्टी रुपीज अ किलो वॉट आवर वी से वी इन सिटीज हैव हायर परचेजिंग पावर दैन इन रूरल एरियाज बट दे आर पेइंग थर्टी रुपीज अ किलो वॉट आवर नाउ इफ वी कैन रिप्लेस देयर डीजल पावर विद अ कॉम्बिनेशन ऑफ सोलर एंड बैटरी एंड मेक इट चीपर फॉर देम मेक्स मीन एंड दैट इज वाई इट इज हैपनिंग सी यू नो वेन आई वॉज विद के पी एम जी आई वॉज अ कंसल्टेंट टू द मिनिस्ट्री ऑफ न्यू एंड रिनेबल एनर्जी एंड वन ऑफ द एरियाज ऑन विच आई वॉज एडवाइजिंग देम वॉज ऑन सोलराइजेशन ऑफ एग्रीकल्चरल पंप सेट्स नाउ द एग्री पंप विच इज इंस्टॉल्ड एट सम रिमोट पार्ट ऑफ द कंट्री यू नो पावर ट्रेवल्स फ्रॉम द पावर प्लांट टू थर्टी टू के वी थर्टी थ्री के वी इलेवन के वी एंड देन यू नो लो वोल्टेज नेटवर्क गोज गोज दैट फार सर्व वन पंप the cost of that power to the state government is very high because there are many losses and you have to you have to invest in uh, building all that infra and you know the cost of that infra uh, over time is quite a bit so uh, what we told the government was you don't need to take grid to the remotest parts of the country for powering agri pump sets you know launch a scheme where you provide farmers with pump sets that are integrated with solar and give it to them at 10% of the cost 90% you bear as subsidy even that 90% that you bear today if you were to compare it with the with the price at which you are supplying uh, electricity to them you will break even in 2 to 3 years so that those those cost economics governments understood and then you know states like rajasthan karnataka now there are many states and there 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 are many thousand agricultural pumps that have already been converted to solar solar agri pumps so these kind of things are happening now schools are community schools primary uh, patshalas they are all getting converted they are all getting uh, solar on their rooftops so it's happening and speaking of converting normal general schools and normal general areas into solar operated and renewable energy operated areas how expensive would it be for us like if the government say were to invest even though it sounds impractical at first to 100% renewable energy switch is it possible and how expensive would it be if it is done see uh, it is expensive in one way and not expensive in the other way so if you look at the upfront investment it is expensive you know a, a, a local school or even a farmer would not have the money to uh, to make that investment upfront you know because instead of a, uh, you know thousands now we are talking about pump set in lakhs you know they will not have the the money to uh, buy it upfront but that's where the power of financing comes in so now government has spoken with the with public sector banks with private commercial banks with cooperative banks they have evaluated this technology and they they are ready to finance so where government can subsidize and a farmer can buy uh, directly without depending on financing it's okay where government is subsidizing and still the thing is expensive for the farmer he he gets financing from uh, from a local bank and that's how uh, a capex solution gets converted into an opex solution and and that's how these things are working okay so speaking of 
like switching and speaking of adopting renewable energy what according to you is the next biggest thing in renewable energy because because we have had solar we have had windmills and we have had all these systems till now is there anything new coming that you see in the future uh, there have been uh, improvements, incremental improvements in the way these technologies work. So, you know, earlier, long back, India's journey in wind sector has been longer than uh, journey in solar. So when we started off, you know, a typical turbine would be like 250 kilowatts. Uh, from there to now, we are talking about, you know, we are already seeing uh, 2 megawatt plus turbines and people are working on a single turbine of 5 megawatt size. You know, the, uh, the height of the turbine used to be just a few years back, used to be 80 meters. Today, we're already talking about 140 meter and 160 meter habites because as you go higher, the wind speeds keep increasing. So those kind of technological changes are happening. Similarly, in case of solar, you know, the amount of silicon that you require to make one watt, that is coming down. The, there are multiple other changes which are happening uh, on, on technological changes on, on module side. So these changes will keep happening and uh, multiple ways in which, you know, they ultimately lead to lower cost. For example, earlier solar modules, you know, only from the top, the solar radiation that would fall on them, they would produce power. Now we have what is called bifacial modules. The solar uh, rays that get reflected from the ground and hit the backside of the module, they also result in some power generation. So these kind of changes will keep happening. And then of course, the way in which we consume, like I was talking a bit earlier, you know, we have multiple use cases. So green hydrogen also getting added. That's how I think the, the journey will keep happening. Wow, that was that was really insightful into the field of renewable energy. And I don't know if anyone, like I don't know anyone who could have provided that deep an insight into the field of renewable energy. Now, coming back to you and your amazing journey, what is the one moment that you go back to today uh, from being a founder to going back to your times when you were not doing this well? What is the best moment that you go back to even today when you think about your journey? Uh, one moment because of its magnitude, it stands in front of me. I... Uh, I was at uh, India's largest coal-based thermal plant. This is located in uh, Gujarat. It's a 4,620 megawatt plant. Largest, but by the total capacity that is installed in the country, coal-based thermal capacity, very small percentage. And so I was there when a, a train came tugging along. It had uh, coal loaded and there were rakes and rakes of coal and there were these uh, these uh, robotic arms which would take a rake and then tumble it and then put the rake back on the on the track and the, you know, that's how they were emptying the entire train. Uh, I could see the train continuing. It was like a serpentine train to wherever my eyes could go i saw that, that there was no end to the train and so to my mind it was like you know they've, they've got like coal for six months now that is what i assumed in my mind and then the plant head was also with me and i said uh, great so this train is here how long will this last and he said uh, no this is good enough we've got a long train we are good for a week now <laughs> and something happened in my mind you know this this much amount of coal will get burnt in one week this is just one plant in india that we are talking what are we doing to ourselves <laughs> that stayed in my mind and probably when i decided to make that switch into renewable energy somewhere that image of that plant and watching that that long train just one week i think that that played a part that's actually really really something to think about really, really important concept to think about because when you don't see the actual amount of things you're bad things you're doing to the environment you're just like oh we're doing a good job numbers on paper are not as alarming as when you see the actual actual horrors going on in front of you exactly exactly i mean a million tons of 
pole is written as an you know, on paper as empty you have to see what one empty is with your eyes to realize you know what it will do to the environment so we just assume it's we've we've written down 1 million and it, it isn't even something big to think about at this point anymore and then we are wondering why the global warming is affecting us so deeply even in our day to day lives today so it it's all what goes around comes around and when you actually look at what's happening on the ground then you start to realize how and why all these things are going on okay so how do newer students who aspire to build a career in this field go about doing that and how would you suggest them to make their own journeys in this field of renewable energy yeah yeah see this field uh, offers multiple areas where one can decide to build a career you know there are traditional areas for example if you want to design a solar plant or a wind plant that in itself is a is a is a skill it's a specialized area so you know you can build your career in in designing these plants you can build your career in operating these plants because again a solar plant or a wind plant they are very differently operated from conventional plants so you can build your career in on on that side uh and there are these these new areas uh, you know a lot of new age technology interventions are happening so today uh you know digital is the theme everywhere you go people are talking about you know new digital use cases digital has come into this sector also now people are talking about digital twins so for example a, a wind turbine you make a digital copy of the physical wind turbine uh, you simulate that on an application and you know on a real time basis you keep feeding the profile of wind that is coming to to the turbine keep feeding that in the application and it will tell you how much the turbine should have generated you know finding out that my turbine generated x and versus it should have actually generated x plus delta used to be very difficult it used to be like you know months of excel effort for a large plant now when you have a digital twin you know it in real time whether your plant is perform your your particular machine is performing up to up, up up to mark or not up to mark so these kind of things are happening in this sector on the digital side i would say this this is just the beginning there are a lot of uh, use cases that are yet to be explored on the digital side in this sector so one can build career there then uh, you know uh, we are talking about green bonds now which is essentially that if we are doing something which is good for the environment then the financing for that area should be cheaper that is what is being tagged as green bonds so this is again a specialized area in the field of finance you could uh, try and specialize in 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 renewable specific financing aspects so that way i think uh, you know if a student today is keen on building a career in renewable energy sector multiple avenues which are specialized and very focused on this sector just pick one avenue if you are interested for example in design or operations in general digital in general then you can start focusing on renewable specific aspects of that field and start building your career i mean it's a growing sector and so therefore i don't think there'll be a paucity of jobs in the near future so that's really really good for all youth out there who are thinking about starting their own career in renewable energy so as you mentioned there is a lot of potential of course for everyone out there who is wanting to join into this field is there anything else you would like to add for all the viewers watching as it relates to renewable energy or your life experiences <laughs> well i think uh, uh, see when when you say uh, passion and i'm not saying i was passionate about this uh, you know field from day one but somewhere i felt that there is a lot to be done in power sector in india and then renewable happened which uh, which i thought was even better at some point i felt passionate enough to build a career full time because in consulting you have the flexibility to move around today you are advising clients on something tomorrow if a new sector comes up then you know you can 
you can switch to that sector but a point came in my career when i started feeling passionate about this sector and then i i uh, joined this industry full time and since then it's it's been a journey of more than a decade now so the message i want to pass on through you is that uh, you know there are two things one is about finding your passion and i'm not saying that you know when you're born you know what your passion is by all means do explore you know and that is what uh, your student life and to some extent your age of 20s and even early 30s is about just exploring you know and not settling uh, but once you you start getting a sense of what you like then do not believe in this society that tells you everything has to happen on a real time basis satisfaction has to happen in 2 minutes you know don't believe in that uh, once you feel you're passionate about something then give it time and like the power of compounding it it will multiply you know you have to be patient you have to be passionate and once you have that then i'm sure whatever you choose to do you will be successful in that field so that was very very inspiring and very very motivational and this whole podcast has been very motivational which is why i keep on repeating those same words over and over again so thank you so much for joining us it has really been a dream and an honor to have you over here thank you again